Welcome to this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. This is podcast episode 26. In this podcast, I'm first going to show you a key feature in JAWS 2021. And then at the end, I'm going to speak with a parent with three blind and visually impaired kids. That's all for this edition, and stay tuned! Hello, and once again to be back with you on this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. This is podcast episode 26. To get hold of this podcast, you have two ways. You can either call the listener line, and that number is 404-923-0115. 404-923-0115. You can also send an email to me at m-u-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-6-8 at gmail.com. M-U-N-N-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-6-8 at gmail.com. In today's podcast, I'm first going to demonstrate a very cool feature in JAWS 2021, and then at the end, I'm going to speak to a guest who's also a friend of mine. JAWS 2021 has officially released. There is a new feature that I really like. This feature is called Voice Assistant. It's similar to Apple Siri and Amazon Echo, but with this assistant, to get his or her attention, depends on your speech synthesizer, you can just say Sharky, or you can just press Insert Alt with Spacebar. Today, I'm going to show you what kind of joke can you get out of Sharky. Like other voice assistants, this assistant also have jokes that cracks you up. Today, I'm going to tell Sharky to play a selection of them. For example, Tell me a joke. Why do people tell actors to break a leg? Because every play has a cast. Funny, isn't it? Tell me a joke. Who gives sharks presents on Christmas? Santa Claus. Tell me another joke. What do you call a shark who wants to be by himself? A lone shark. So you can hear that this voice assistant is full of jokes. And that's all for today's quick tip on how to use your Sharky effectively. Today, I am pleased to have a friend who's a parent of three teenagers with blind and visual impairment. Her name is Dawn Snow. Ms. Dawn works at Center for Family Involvement and Virginia Commonwealth University. Ms. Dawn, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. So what's the weather like in Virginia? Well, we finally have sun after several days of rain, and schools have been closed for the last two days because of flooding where the roads have been flooded out. So sunshine is very welcome today. That's about the same in here. We've been having a lot of cloudy days in metro Atlanta area. Today, we're going to talk about how to take care of a kid with a visual impairment. I read that you are a parent with three VI kids. Can you tell us more in this regard? So yes, I have three daughters, two biological and one stepdaughter. Um, my oldest biological daughter is 18 and a half and she is blind due to um, retinopathy of prematurity. And um, she was also diagnosed uh, with autism and um, she has um, hydrocephalus, which is um, where you retain fluid on your brain. And then I have a 15-year-old um, who uh, is blind in one eye, um, completely different condition. Um, and then my stepdaughter, uh, who we lost um, two and a half years ago, 
um, had a uh, degenerative neurological condition um, that blindness was a part of. Um, and so she started losing her vision at the age of nine um, and was completely blind by the age of 11. Um, and then she had multiple uh, disabilities uh, that went along with um, her condition. And like I said, we lost her um, at the age of 18, um, about two and a half years ago. Interesting. And I also read somewhere that you've been in the community of people with disabilities for almost 15 years. Yeah, actually, I'm, you know, I've submerged myself pretty early on, um, you know, when my oldest biological daughter, when she was born, um, trying to reach out and, and, you know, learn all I could so that I knew how to help her develop to the best of her abilities. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, I started taking, um, you know, a lot of courses and uh, going to workshops and whatever I could, trying to meet other parents, um, you know, so I could learn all I could to be the best mom I could be to her. Um, and, you know, I developed into, um, you know, basically what I do now, um, you know, for a living, which I'm very blessed that I can do something that I'm passionate about, you know, um, in my in my field of work. That's very interesting. And this is how we found you six years ago when I first moved to the state. And it was also first time for my mom to have a visually impaired teenager. Yes, I remember those days very well. <laughs> yeah, so the school was kind of giving us a hard time on providing accommodations. Did your kid faced this problem when they are in school before and currently? Yeah, um, you know, we've had we've had our, our areas of, of tension with school here and there. Um, I feel like we've been very blessed um, to have some really fantastic vision teachers um, who have um, advocated alongside us. And I think that made a tremendous impact um, and difference in our journey. And I think also um, me being educated early on in the laws and in my rights as a parent um, made a huge difference as well. And so, um, although we've had we had one area, um, you know, one one pretty significant time where we um, had to take some legal action. Um, it was um, other than that, and, and really, that was not. <clears throat> involving the people that we were dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis that was more um you know upper upper level administration that was interfering and not uh following through on what was needed but um other than that we've really had a pretty smooth journey um and that was only a one one year blip and so in the grand scheme of things especially working with so many families for for all these years i know we're blessed um, in that regard, that we've only had that one year of, of true struggle. Um, in comparison, you know, many families struggle every year, every day, um, you know, just to get the accommodations that their child needs. Oh, yes, that's very true. You know, in my opinion, we need some progressive leaders in our school district. Mm -hmm. Yep. And also Virginia has happened to be a very conservative state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been hard. I mean, that has been a mission of mine um, for many years. Uh, and um, it's 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 a difficult journey because you need there's power in numbers and you need um, 
you know, a lot of people to be able to step forward and, and advocate for that change. Um, and, you know, a lot of times because, because blindness, um, children who are blind um, is a low incidence disability, getting those numbers uh, to pull together has been a challenge. You know, that there's been many times over the years where I've tried to rally um, parents together and a lot of times people are just at a different place in their journey and they're not ready to um, address, you know, whatever XYZ issue is, is before us. And, um, and they don't see, you know, they don't, they don't quite see that need yet, you know, until a couple of years later when I get a phone call <laughs> to say, Hey, I need help with this. And, um, yeah, so it's definitely hard, but you need the numbers and, and to, to be able to really affect that change. Um, and, and it's definitely been a struggle to try to get that to happen, at least here in Virginia. Oh, yes. Like I said before, that Virginia is a very conservative state. So that's how the parents division was formed. There are two parents division in Virginia. I think one is the NFB parents division and the other is the parent division that you are involved. They were involved. Yeah. In. Yeah. So, um, and I know you had mentioned that, um, you know, you were curious about that when, when Kim was little, when I first started out on this journey, um, you know, there, I reached out trying to find support for myself, um, and, uh, could not find any locally. Um, the only kind of support uh, that I could find was through listservs back, back in the day when their listservs were very popular. This is, you know, before oh. Facebook and, um, you know, those social networks. And so, um, I would email with people across the country, you know, to, to learn different ways to, to help my child. And, um, and I reached out to the national organizations, um, to try to find out about uh, support groups um, and support networks for parents. Um, and at that time, you know, the two strong parent networks were NFB's parent division and um, uh, NAPV, which is the National Organization of Parents of Children with Visual Impairments. They um, no longer exist. Um, they, uh, you know, um, kind of absorbed into what is now known as the Jewish Guild for the Blind in New York. Um, but I found that one, um, I, I got more interaction and more, um, um, responsiveness from NAPV at that time. And, um, and they seem to align more with my personal beliefs and that is meeting the child where they're at. Um, and, you know, if a child has additional disabilities, um, you know, to, to, you know, take that into consideration, um, to know how to work, you know, with that, um, helping the child, you know, uh, grow and develop. Um, and also, um, so, so basically techniques, um, you know, that was a big difference, that and acceptance. So that was the big difference. And so I decided at that time to start a Virginia chapter um, which became VAPVI, V-A-A-P-V-I. Um, and that was basically just that, to create a support network um, so that I could start meeting other parents and learning from other parents. And, um, and then they had a place to turn as well. Um, 
so that's how that developed. And when was the group founded? I mean, the Virginia chapter. Um, back around 2000, the end of 2002, beginning of 2003. So it's been existence for almost 19 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And through that, um, and, and like I said, um, at one point I, you know, had joined the national board, um, but that was right about the time that um, uh, they were looking to merge with Jewish Guild for the blind. Uh, so that I wasn't on the national board for very long. Um, and not too long after that, this all happened within like a year or two of each other. Um, I started working at the Partnership for People with Disabilities um, and their organization um, called the Center for Family Involvement. And so a lot of the work that I had been doing with VAPVI, which was, you know, helping other parents, um, you know, navigate supports and services, helping them understand their rights, um, creating social opportunities, um, opportunities for them to connect and learn from each other. Um, a lot of that work that I was already doing, um, I was able to do under the Center for Family Involvement. And so um, for the last 10 years, uh, that's, you know, primarily what I've been doing um, is uh, that same work, but doing it with and under the Center for Family Involvement. In the United States, there are two advocacy groups for the blind. They are NFB and ACB. And I wonder, the Center for Family Involvement collaborate with these two organizations? Um, so ACB, we've talked a little bit, um, you know, and they do a lot with young adults. Um, they're not really as focused on, uh, although they do focus on educational um, needs, they're not as focused on um, the the, the um, K through 12 age group um, from, from what we had been able to through some of our conversations. Um, so, uh, you know, I, that's a good idea that, you know, to actually talk with them further, but, um, you know, at the NF or not NFB, um, AFB and ACB, uh, did not have like something similar to NAPV with like a membership and a parents group, a parents division, anything like that. Um, you know, NFB obviously does. Um, and, you know, I've kind of dabbled a little bit. I've, I talk to everyone, right? Because, you know, everyone has a place at the table and everybody ha is doing great work. Um, and I've talked to, you know, uh, and collaborate with um, NFB. Um, I, and I think there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, um, especially in um, trying to be more inclusive of children with um, other additional disabilities or needs. Um, you know, I feel uh, that, you know, when you have a child with just a visual impairment, um, that, that there's great work going on around that. Um, there's a lot of programs, there's a lot of uh, um, services and opportunities that are available. But when you have a child who has an additional need. Um, and, and those are the ones that are probably the most in need of those supports and services. That's where everything seems to come apart. Um, and there's not, um, this, the programs and services are just not available uh, for that group of, of children. And that, that's a problem. It's a oh, yes. problem that, that we definitely need to get resolved. 
Yes, that is a problem. And so this question has been asked many times before, I suppose. Do you know how to read Braille? And also, do you know how to do sign language? <laughs> so I know enough to get me in trouble. <laughs> um, I, I can read grade one Braille. Um, I definitely um, struggle with grade two. Um, and I have started um, the, the coursework uh, probably four different times over the years. And um, life and work just gets in the way. And I have yet to complete that. Um, back when I was first trying to learn all of that, um, it was, you know, I mean, just crazy how, um, fast my daughter just blew past me, um, and, and was, was so fluent in Braille. And so <laughs> I kind of let it go on the back burner, um, because she was already so fluent. I didn't need to necessarily know it to teach her, um, but, um, but yeah, it's still something I want to learn. I can learn, I can read grade one, grade two is, is something I need to learn. Oh yeah. There are various different symbols and, that represent yeah, and, one word. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and so in, in reference to sign language, um, I did not know sign language until, um, we actually became friends with, uh, some other teenagers who were deaf, um, through, um, through a, uh, a performing arts group and um my daughter uh my daughters both of them um my biological daughters uh became really close uh with these other teenagers and um you know they started coming over to the house and um, i actually hired uh one of them to help with like caregiving and babysitting for me um and you know we just kind of started learning as we got to know them better, um, you know, we started out with the course writing everything down notes back and forth and they were very sweet and patient with teaching us signs for certain words. And so, like I said, I know enough to get me in trouble um, and, to, and to get myself in a situation where, you know, <laughs> people get frustrated maybe because I don't know enough. My younger daughter actually is uh, taking, she's in her second year of learning ASL, which is um, really awesome. I'm very happy and proud about that. Well, what I found the biggest thing that I need to know now that, that my daughter is older is the technology um, and trying to help her out with um, technology glitches. Um, because now that she's moved, although she still uses a refreshable Braille display and she, she reads, you know, Braille constantly every day, um, you know, books she'll use on her refreshable Braille display now. Um, but now that she's older and using a screen reader, that is where, you know, it seems to be my knowledge has shifted. You know, I, I that's where I'm, I try to keep myself up to date um, because as she, it, you know, encounters a technology glitch um, or an inaccessible document and maybe, you know, because of whatever way it's formatted, you know, she may struggle with how to turn that into an accessible document. Um, that seems to be the area that, that as, the mother of an older child, you know, that I, that I need to know now. Yes. A lot of people have been saying this, uh, technology is great when it's working. Yeah. Beside that, you also have to learn how to use a computer with a keyboard instead of clicking the mouse. Right. Right. Yes. And I know you've been a tremendous help even when we were <laughs> trying to do, uh, you know, foreign languages, she's an advanced, uh, coursework in, in some classes and, um, you know, trying to get, you know, switch everything over to being able to do things in um, and access Braille in a different language setting. 
you know? So yeah, technology is definitely, it's great when it's working, but um, you definitely need to know all the little tricks. For sure. For sure. And especially Charles, the screen reader that everybody is using these days consists of, you know, various ways to adjust your settings. Inaccessible document is another story because teacher these days love to decorate their documents instead of the old school with black font and white background. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, the one thing just thinking about school that, that comes to mind for me is that there's some of these counties and ours is one of them that's an Apple driven county, which means they're using Macs and iPads for everything, which is great. I mean, Macs and, and iPads are wonderful um, tools, but when it comes to a lot of the documents and um, and word processing and, um, you know, everything that you need to access voiceover is just right now, anyway, in the year 2020 is a lot more challenging to use than using JAWS with um, Microsoft products. So, um, you know, that's an area that, you know, I hear from a lot with um, other families and, and we encounter sometimes, you know, although my daughter uses a PC with Microsoft products, you know, we're constantly having to, to um, you know, work through little glitches with teachers where they forget and, um, you know, they may put something in like a numbers document, which is an, an iOS program. Um, and we have to kind of make, adapt everything. And anyway, it just, it's, it's definitely interesting. Oh, yes. And when I was in Virginia, my school decided to switch the entire system to Google-based. When I signed up for school, they planned to also provide me a Chromebook until we found a teacher who's willing to take the bet. This is how I'm able to get a Windows computer. Mm-hmm. You used a Chromebook or you actually got a PC? Oh, I actually got a PC. Yeah, Chromebooks are not all that great, at least you know from what I remember. We haven't had to, to deal with one of those in a while, but uh, those were not the best at, at trying to use JAWS and, and do all that the kids needed to do from what I remember. Yeah. Chromebook is basically a tablet with a mm-hmm. keyboard. You don't get too much out of it than yeah. using a Windows computer with JAWS. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to get the schools to understand. Um, and, and I think that, you know, thinking back to the, the one of the comments that we talked about earlier and how it's so hard to, um, you know, rally the troops, you know, the parents and stuff, uh, and, and to, to affect, you know, to, to advocate, um, and also trying to educate, uh, the school divisions is that they just don't understand. They don't, they can't wrap their mind around what these issues are and why it's so complicated. Um, and it's hard when they don't listen, um, and that was the that was the big issue that we encountered when we ended up having to um, pursue some legal uh, avenues. Um, gosh, I guess that was like five or six years ago now. <clears throat> um, is that their tech people at um, it was we were in a different div- school division at that time, but their tech people, um, no matter how many times we tried to explain and um, and thankfully I you know did everything in writing, which is imperative, right? Um, they, they just were not listening. 
Um, and I know I explained it well, but they just, they were in denial. They were like, nope, that's not an issue. Chromebook will work. You know, um, no, the filters on the school system, that's not interfering with JAWS. And, you know, and, and really, um, I don't know that they ever really understood, but once we sought legal help, you know, that was kind of a mute point. They, they finally agreed to do what needed to be done. Uh, but it's unfortunate because I know other families after we moved out of the county are still encountering the issues in that same county. So obviously they didn't learn. So the school basically think that they are the expert and you should listen to everything that the tech team told you. Right, right. This is very unfortunate. It is, it really is. Um, and it's, and it's hurting our kids. Um, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's hurting our kids because it is getting, it's, it's putting them in a position where, uh, for those kids who are not getting the tools that they need, um, it's putting them in a position where, um, they're either having either, either they're one, not able to access and they're getting exempted from, um, important assignments. Right. Um, or, um, or they're having someone sit and read to them and dig in and, and the, and someone describe, you know, to write whatever their answers are, they're dictating their answers. Well, you know, that's all well and good. It helps them get through the material, um, and, and the day-to-day stuff with school, but in the long run, that's hurting them because they're not able to learn the skills that they need to learn to be successful in post-secondary education or in employment. Oh, yes. And I also read that 30% of the people with disabilities are employed. And those who are employed actually know how to use Braille and technologies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And it makes, it's a huge impact as to the success of the student, um, you know, like I said, in college or employment and, um, you know, and it comes down to, unfortunately at this, at, you know, at this point, I mean, it comes down to whether a parent has, has educated themselves on what the laws are and what their rights are. And, um, if they are keep, they, it's unfortunately you have to keep on top of it. Um, you know, on a daily, weekly basis, document your concerns, document the issues, um, and then pursue whatever advocacy avenues that you have to, whether that be first speaking up at your IEP meeting, second, you know, do you request mediation? Do you file a state complaint or do you have to go through due process? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it has to come to that because this is school. The kids should be learning and they should be learning in the way that, um, that is teaching them the same skills. And it's unfortunate that, you know, our administrators in various divisions are not willing to listen and learn, um, and, and meet the needs of these students instead of, you know, trying to find the easy way out. For sure. Yes, definitely. So we're about to wrap up the interview. And as we wrap up, do you have any advice to offer to my listeners on how to better take care of a children with blind or VI? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, my first thing that I always say is look, just love on them. Right. Um, because I talk to a lot of parents who um, who uh, may be in a in a, a, an emotional state um, of acceptance. Um, 
you know, and so the, the first thing is, is this is your child, you know, be their mom or dad, you know, and, and just um, that's first and foremost. But when it comes to the educational piece, um, which is something I'm very passionate about is, you know, learning, learning laws, knowing your rights, attending workshops to keep on top of any changes, any tips um, on, on how to advocate. Um, connecting with other parents was um, priceless. You know, staying connected with other parents is priceless. And um, every state also has um, a uh, partners and policymaking group um, uh, or course. And that's usually put on whatever their state board for people with disabilities. <clears throat> that was, a, that was a, um, another priceless opportunity that I took advantage of that I think is, is very important for parents, um, you know, to help educate them on advocacy and their rights and, and whatnot. Oh, yes, especially today when I was browsing my Facebook that someone, I think you shared a post on President-elect Biden will soon make all these changes by hiring people who work in the disability field into White House and work yeah. directly with him. So very great advice. This is it for this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to write an email to me at m-u-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-6-8 at gmail.com. That's m-u-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-6-8 at gmail.com. You can also call the listener line, and that phone number is 404-923-0115. 404-923-0115. Besides that, you can follow me on social media at Michael's Weekly Perspective on Facebook and Michael's Weekly One on Twitter. Besides Facebook and Twitter, I'm also available on Dabble. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and thank you, Miss Dawn, for joining me in the studio. Michael, thank you for having me on. I appreciate oh. it. Thank you. Thank you.